Hello, and welcome to Womanhood Reality Checks. I'm your host, Kelly, and today is a solo episode where I'll be sitting down to talk to you about one aspect of my womanhood in a way that's real and relatable, and yet, of course, hopefully inspirational. Today's episode is going to focus on something that people quite often uh, ask me about. Uh, I'm going to speak about how I forged a path to parenting freedom, uh, how I live a life where I am able to choose how involved I am with my daughter, how much I invest in myself, how much I rest, uh, how much I play, how much I push, um, how much I'm present. Um, You know, on the outside, this looks usually quite easy and almost um, lucky, maybe even in a way that everything has landed this way for me. But the reality of it uh, is is quite different. Uh, I'm not going <laughs> to serve the punchlines just yet, but I'm going to tell you um, a little bit about my setup and then three stories, three moments that have really contributed to my lifestyle today. So for those of you who don't know me, um, I'm Kelly. (laughs) Uh, I was born in Chicago. I live in London. I've lived here for about six years. And since going to university in in Chicago, the University of Illinois, um, I've lived in maybe eight or nine different cities in 12 or 13 different um, apartments. Um, I've been kind of a, a traveler somewhat by design, somewhat by accident, um, and ultimately have have held, I don't even know, six or seven different careers, uh, none of them being related to each other (laughs) or hardly related, um, and probably 10 to 12 different roles in that time period as well, if not more. So you can see that um, I'm someone who is open to change, um, who is adaptable, who enjoys taking a calculated risk. um, And this Uh, isn't necessarily what um, has allowed me to forge my path to parenting freedom, but it it probably speaks to the personality that has allowed me to succeed in the way that I um, achieved parenting freedom. Uh, How my life looks today. So I quit my full-time job a few years ago, probably two and a half years ago now, um, to pursue coaching um, full-time. It never was full-time for me. At most, I usually worked 25 hours a week. I did a bit of consulting here and there, so sometimes consulting and um, coaching would take me up to that 40 hours a week, which was full on, and I didn't stay there for very long. Um, I My daughter is now 13 months, um, and since having her, I have ebbed and flowed with how much I've worked. Obviously not very much at the very beginning, um, but started dabbling in work, you know, after... 10 weeks doing some workshops and some coaching, um, kind of ramping up while uh, my partner and I were away traveling for six months together. Um, So he had six months of paternity leave. Um, We live in London, the UK, where things like that are more accessible. Um, So, you know, I ramped up, I ran the Money Spa, which was like quite intensive coaching program. Um, And I really enjoyed that. That was super life-giving for me. I'm always sort of doing creative projects, um, writing on, writing for a substack here and there. I ebb and flow with that. Um, pouring into my community called Womanhood, this podcast. Um, I always have a creative outlet. Um, but right now, what it, most of my life looks like for me is learning how to be a parent um, of a one-year-old. I've never done that before. Um, and 
a little bit of creative, basically self-care and, and professional self-care. Um, so I have one coaching client right now who I absolutely adore. She's an expecting mother and I'm helping her kind of figure out what her vision is for life after having her little one um, alongside, you know, cultivating this community of women um, who dare to live differently in everyday ways. So just kind of want to give you the background on how my life looks. Um, you know, I hear a lot of people say, I would like love to be a stay at home mom um, if I could afford it. Uh, your life is so amazing. I'm jealous. And like, obviously there's pros and cons to every um, lifestyle. Um, I really love mine. I've worked really hard for mine. And yet I actually really, there are aspects I struggle in. They're just considered quite privileged uh, and are quite privileged. Um, so I try not to complain about them too much because people <laughs> tend not to receive it very well. On the whole, I'm super happy with, with my setup. I feel incredibly lucky um, to be able to live and work in the way I do. And yet I didn't, it didn't just get handed to me. I made a series of very strategic decisions um, really from I don't know, the time I graduated from university and it's landed me here. So I want to share these because the reality of getting here isn't impossible. Ever, anyone, I believe, can do it um, in their own way, of course. Um, but it's helpful to actually know how I did it rather than just see the end result. So we're going to start with the first of three stories I'm going to tell you about what has enabled me to get where I am today. Um, I view myself as an entrepreneur, uh, but I never wanted to be one. From, I think, 23, I have a very distinct memory of walking down Haight Street in San Francisco when I lived there, um, getting Greek food at Suvla, if anyone lived there, uh, with a friend, and seeing a kid on the street, a little child, and thinking to myself, yeah, I'm going to be a mom. Um, I was working at Uber at the time. I was moving a million miles a minute. I had no lifestyle that would enable me to be a mother um, in like my wildest dreams in, in that moment, right? But I was 23 and that was fine. Um, I never dreamed of being an entrepreneur, even though that's where I've ended up. Ended up. All I really wanted was kids. Um, so, you know, for a few years, I lived my life. I took risks to kind of um, continue to create financial stability for myself. Um, you know, I, I worked at Uber where I gained um, quite a lot of financial wealth through the equity I earned. Um, but I didn't stay there. I hedged my bet and because Uber wasn't public at the time and left to take a job at Snapchat, um, which was an even smaller startup at the time, um, splitting my equity across two companies, which hopefully one of which would go public. They both went public. I got very lucky. That is not normal in um, startup land to go to work at two pub companies that go public. Um, but then, you know, I was like, LA is not going to be the person. Sorry, Snapchat um, is based in LA. So I moved there for the job. Um, but LA wasn't going to be the place that I was going to meet my future father of my children. It wasn't for me. Um, so I was like, I got to move. I got to go to New York or London the metropolitan cities that light my soul on fire. Um, and I made it to London. I took a risk. I didn't know a single person. Well, I know one person in London. Um, I didn't know anybody when I moved to San Francisco. I knew one person when I moved to LA. 
I've taken these pretty bold risks um, in terms of moving around the world. And this leads me to my next sort of um, risk I knew I had to take to be able to have children because I didn't want to ever have to choose my children or my job. And working in tech, while it gave me a lot of financial abundance, it made me very time poor. And you need time to be able to have a relationship with your children. So I think it was around 27 or 28 years old. I started to be like, okay, like I'm approaching that 30 mark. And if I want to have kids, I'm going to have to make some big changes to be able to have a lifestyle that supports them. I was traveling internationally once a month, like crazy jet lag, like nothing I was doing was sustainable. So what did I do? I was like, how do I make this happen? You know, I started looking into coaching. I started looking into consulting. Um, my motivation was so strong that I was able to overcome the imposter syndrome that I have coached one too many people on women, men alike, of, of leaving your full-time job, of creating a side hustle that you might fail at. Um, but ultimately I was like, I need to dip my toe in. Um, so yeah, I, I never actually set out to, um, to be an entrepreneur, but I did set out to be able to have kids in a way that was sustainable in a way that worked for me. And I planned way ahead. Like one could even say 10 years ahead from the time I was 23. Um, but definitively I was being strategic about it five years ahead. And so the story I'm telling you here is plan ahead. The one addendum that I wasn't planning for, but now in hindsight is incredibly um, important, I think, in, in planning, is related to your self-worth and your job. For, you know, the 10 years of my career before having children, all of my self-worth came from work. And this, I think, is true across the board. By quitting my job in 2020 or 2021, whenever I did that, and going to almost, you know, I was earning, I think, 115,000 pounds a year, good money in London, um, to basically earning nothing as a coach with a, you know, small but reasonable business at the time. Um, I had to learn how to cultivate my self-worth from other places. And this is another thing with, I think, parenting. Um, it's really, if you, if you get all of your self-worth from your job, cultivating your self-worth as a parent through parenting while becoming a parent is really hard. But if you can cultivate your self-worth before becoming a parent through other activities that you have that aren't work, the transition into parenthood and parenting freedom, even choosing to parent and gaining know a lot of um, I don't know self-esteem through that um, is going to be easier it's actually still really hard for me but given my transition into parenting with a like break from full-time worth that really stroked my ego I feel I am more successful in my role as a mother okay so that's how I became a parent with flexibility, yeah? Now within parenting, you still need to have a method um, to create your freedom. 
my approach is creating personal policies for that allow me to make easy decisions. And I will share these, my policies. Um, the context I'll give just before this is as I've gone through life, you know, as I've been a coach, um, your set of values is usually kind of how you unconsciously make decisions. They could, they're a way of thinking about personal policies. Um, but I'll give you an example of a personal policy I had in my late stage professional career. I had a lot of policies as a, as a, um, uh, professional. I still do. Um, you could call these boundaries. Um, but to, for me, I'm, I'm more of the mind that having intentions is much more powerful than boundaries. So one of my intentions was to never work on days that I wanted to rest. Yeah. My boundary wasn't don't work on Fridays, but I wanted to rest on Fridays, right? And sometimes I wanted to, sometimes I wanted to rest on Tuesdays though. So for me, I had an intention to have rest days. What do rest days require? No meetings. So I almost always declined meetings on Fridays. Um, there were exceptions, obviously. But if I was having energy on a Friday or having energy in a week, thinking, oh, I'll be fine on a Friday, um, on this Friday at least, I would say yes. Or if there was a really important meeting, I would say yes. But on the whole, I said no to meetings on Fridays because my desire and, and intention for rest was so important to me and was so, um, there were so many knock-on effects of me honoring that. Um, that it made it easy to say yes to myself rather than saying no to other people. Um, so this is how I think about personal policies. And, you know, this becomes even more important as you become a parent and a family, because not only are you thinking about yourself, but you're actually having to balance the needs of your your own person, your partner's needs, and your child's needs, and for me, my dog's needs. Um, there are so many needs and not enough, there is not enough time in the day to do, to satisfy everybody's needs to the nth degree. Um, and yet boundaries are such a contraction of energy. I still really, really dislike them. Um, so I've come up with my personal policies, my intentions as a mother and an entrepreneur and a partner and a dog mom and a friend and, and all of it, right? It's my way of operating for me as a woman, hence womanhood, right? So this is my decision-making framework for life. Um, and I'll share them. So I'm going to read these. Um, and I'm, I'm just going to read them. I have eight of them, and I'm going to read them one to, one to eight for you. So my first policy is I play the long game more often than the short game. My second is I actively question the societal answers many take for granted related to family and child dynamics. My third is I don't commit or respond or do when I don't have the energy or excitement for something. My fourth is I want to put energy into creating something for the world, broader than my world, most, me most weeks. Five, I want shallow inspiration most days, things like podcasts, books, community, medium inspiration a few times a month, a new restaurant, a city, etc., and deep inspiration a few times a year, completely new cultures, full-day experiences, or multi-week courses. 
so that I can challenge my worldview. Number six, I want to spend quality time with my daughter most days and quality time with my partner twice a month. Number seven, I make time for meditation and mental health raisers in any form most days. And my final one, eight, I want to earn at least 2000 a month. Full stop. Yeah. So these, just a quick qualifier on these, is these are not my, what is a perfect world? What are the, what is like, what is the thing I want? 2000 a month isn't like my goals. This is my what is enough, good enough. What will I be happy with? And what is it right now in this season, right? The season might be a few months, a year, two years, three years. I don't know. I'll know when it's expired, but it's what, it's my policies for right now. And the third thing is I read you the order that these are stack ranked. Yeah. So I brainstorm 10 when I write policies. I go through and then I stack rank them. I have to choose an order. This is the hardest part. Um, and I, I drop the ones that as I'm reading this, or as I read them back, they don't ring super, super true. And I've been doing this for quite a while, so this is fast for me. Um, but if you want to do this, right, like take your time. You might have to do it a few times over. You might need to brainstorm 20 things and whittle it down to six or seven, but like even eight is quite a lot. I use something called the wheel of life in coaching to help me brainstorm them. It's eight aspects of your life that um, are kind of core to humanity. Um, so yeah. And honestly, as I did this, um, I got really sad because I don't know, like if you're a mother listening to this, um, putting your daughter <laughs> Um, and partner at number six is out of eight is like not nice and yet it's true <laughs> it's honest and it's what's going to make me the best daughter and partner and friend and you know human in society that I can be and funny that I put money as eight because before I made this list, I was actually way too focused on money. So creating this list um, allowed me to release that a bit. It's still present. It's still something I battle with. But um, I am earning around 2000 a month. Um, right now, a lot of it is from investments. But, you know, I am achieving my goal. And it's the eighth out of eight. So I have to leave it there. If I begin to earn, you know, 1000 a month, then maybe I think about how do I address that? Because it's still one of my eight. But right now I'm doing enough. And as my policies are showing you, this will transition us nicely to our my third kind of um, critical, core, um, important aspect of achieving parenting freedom for me is what is my first policy, which is ch choosing to question societal answers. Um, you know, you will be forced to choose which societal answers you accept. I've questioned many already, um, and I'm questioning others now. Um, this is what, in 
my personal opinion, allows for me to mother in a way where I have almost infinite patience and excitement for the day-to-day mundane dance that we do with our little babies. Um, So, you know, the, the current, I'll give you the example, right? The current societal answer that I'm questioning is that childcare is required to unlock a lot of things (laughs) um you know I can bring my daughter to go to the supermarket I can bring my daughter to get coffee with a friend I can't bring my daughter to take a course I can't bring my daughter to um I don't know go to yoga like an adult yoga class um I can't bring my daughter to a lot of things or even to my job like I would if I could have a job my coaching is like a bit different right you really I couldn't do that my job well in that regard but like so many jobs could be done with our children in tow and yet we're not allowed and I had a little reflection on on why this is the other day and maybe this is a bit of a tangent but I'll go there for a second is all of the traditionally male dominated areas of life, education, work, etc., really don't welcome children. They, they now welcome women, but they don't welcome children. And this is the exact thing that I am questioning and the thing I actually want to instill change in. So, you know, um, this is playing the long game more often than the short game. This is uh, putting energy into creating something for the world. Um, you know, if I, if I tie these things together, my policies um, work with each other. But ultimately, like, to be my authentic and balanced self, I can't live in a way where childcare unlocks it because that's not playing the long game. I'm constantly reliant on um a system that's broken a system that's unreliable a system that doesn't actually serve everyone involved in a way that's best i've done a bit of being the child carer myself and it's hard work when you're not attached i'm happy to do it for babies i know if my friends want me to watch their kids literally without a blink of an eye happy to but when you're not like in that person's life it really is a job and watching kids as a job is really hard um so looking forward when i think about parenting freedom my only like current somewhat obvious solution is having a small business and one that doesn't involve a computer because kids aren't really welcome in the computers (laughs) like like yeah obviously you can be on the computer with them in the room but i want my children to be involved in what i do in all aspects of my womanhood um ones that I can, things that I can teach my children through, right? So, um, yeah, after, after five years of actively working on not needing to choose motherhood or womanhood, I realized I actually still have to choose. I have to choose playing in these, call it male, traditionally male spaces, or playing without my child, or playing in the traditionally female spaces with my child, right? So I'm now thinking 
it's, I am a parent, but I'm limited in my parenting. So I don't want to have to separate these ambitions from my role as a mother. Um, I don't want to have to exclude my little ones from work. Like, yes, I get it. It's a little bit more unproductive. We have to slow down with them. But isn't that what's going to raise the most healthy and mentally well future generation? Like, And isn't that the most productive thing we can do? So again, this is all kind of tying together. Like for me, it's about playing a long game and it's about questioning societal answers. I think for me, aren't serving me. And so there you have it, I guess, right? I, I wanted to share the three stories talking about my past, what's got me here, my present, how I'm living, my policies, and my future. What questions um, or what answers I'm questioning that will continue to allow me to live in the way that lights me up fully, where I don't have to choose aspects of my womanhood. Um, I can choose all of them. And I can choose all of them in a way that works for me. And no matter where you're at in your journey um, to doing this, you know, I think it is being in community. It is having role models um, who are a few steps ahead that actually allows you to believe it's possible. It's why I decided to start Womanhood. It's why I want to interview people completely different to me on this podcast. So you can find the woman that you needed to hear from and listen to her stories to understand that the way you want to live is actually possible in whatever phase of life that might be. So with that, I will leave you and um, would love to hear from you, um, I guess, where you're at in your journey and how this episode has supported you. Have a good one.